Plenty of time for Stroud. Directing receivers, flips it to the end zone, caught, touchdown! Marvin Harrison Jr. making a huge impact. Milton taking a shot downfield, he's got a man open, and it's into the arms of Squirrel White. Nix, pump fake, takes off, out of the clear, Bo Nix, there he goes, he won't be caught, he's done it again! What's going on, everybody? This is Chris K from the Burning Red Shirt Podcast. Uh, Andrew P. Katz is currently putting in season-long bets. Uh, what a what a unique time of year for us in college football and college fantasy football. We have a special guest, Liam, um, from at No Context CFB from uh, Chance uh, Transfer Portal College Football is also along with us, coming in from Vegas. How's it going, Liam? We appreciate you having on and. Uh, excited to get someone a fresh face on the the podcast or in our realm of, of CFF landscape. So appreciate you coming on. How's it going, man? How you feeling? Yeah, uh, well, I'm doing very good. And aside from the heat, as you say, I'm in Vegas. It's very hot here. It was like 115 degrees the other day. Nearly died, but I lived through it. So doing very good coming off the near death experience. Actually, getting to look forward to the college football season now that is so close. Uh, I mean. It's about time. That's what this is about time. I'm glad that I could come on your show and just talk college football. Yeah. Finally. When, when do you um do you is there a point in the calendar where you kind of rationalize that we're we're pretty much there at this point? It's just like a, a few uh I tell myself basically once the calendar flips to July, there's like there's no month left to go without college football. So it's it's right there, but everyone's required hmm. differently. I feel like that answer probably changed because in the past two years, I've completely disassociated myself with the MLB and I just, just so bored. So, I mean, really, as soon as, you know, one shining moment ends, I'm, I'm ready for college football to begin and I've completely switched gears. I, okay. I guess that's unfair to say though, because I'm also locked in the hockey. So essentially once hockey ends, I'm, I'm good to go. And you t- I'm very you turn over and you're in. Yeah. Nice. I want to, I want to dig in here in a second to like the, the Twitter account, your brand, uh, what you spit out. I, I have been following you and other similar type accounts uh, for years. Uh, and I've always like, I like uh, I save the picture sometimes and share them with buddies and like future group text conversation. It's kind of like perfect little fill-ins for reactions type of thing just because the pictures are ridiculous. But before we do that, I, I kind of alluded to, to Andrew making bets. I feel like I would do our, our family, our uh, listeners a disservice if we didn't talk about what you were betting on, Andrew. Oh, dude. So, yeah, so many uh, season-long player props uh, just dropped on uh, Bet Rivers if you have access to this, to the, this uh, book. Their, their commercials sound like make them sound like they were run by the mafia so i've been really hesitant to give them my money for the longest time but i mean at this point like the bookie next door could create a website and if he's got player props up on there i'll probably give him my money so but they just dropped like 20 20 quarterbacks 20 running backs 20 receivers right while i was eating before so i didn't even enjoy my dinner like i was out to eat by myself because uh my wife took the kids down to her parents so figure do all the things i want want to do right gamble a little podcast a little um get some rocks and drinks but 
Um, yeah, like I need. I barely remember eating because I had to. I had to hurry up, get get money deposited on the side, and start to try and uh, hammer as many of these as I could. But I uh, right before the show started, I went back for more on Will uh, Will Howard under touchdowns. It feels like a mistake. Like it, it's posted at twenty seven and a half passing touchdowns, and his nut. Like I was gonna hit his yardage number under because it's like 28, 25, which feels high. But even when you compare the like the other quarterbacks that are in that same area, most of their touchdown numbers are lower. Um, and regardless, like that number seems very high for him. Uh, just the way Kansas State runs their offense, um, I don't see him getting getting that. You know, he's going to probably miss a couple of games. Like the dude's built like a twig. Conkline's going to try and run him into the ground. They're going to run the running backs, right? Um, so I don't know. Twenty eight touchdowns through the air feels like a lot. Steve number Liam. I yeah. don't know how deep into the the statistics you get, but what do you? What's your vibe on twenty seven touchdowns from Will Howard? I it does kind of feel like a lot. passing touchdowns. Yeah, passing, yeah. yeah. It, it does kind of feel like a lot. Then you look at non conference schedule too, and you see Troy there, which is obviously a pretty stingy defense. And maybe you know the odds makers are trying to you know account for maybe he's throwing three touchdowns against a group of five team. Probably not going to happen against Troy. that seems like a one or two touchdown passing touchdown game and yeah i mean like y'all said could definitely miss games gets run through the ground the running game gets involved heavily having to hit 28 does seem like a lot i was thinking the number before you said it andrew i was thinking the number would be like 22 and a half 23 which is funny because kate klubnik on fanduel dropped at like 19 and a half last week and everybody hammered the over but uh, let's let's table that. Maybe we'll get back to that, Liam. I want to ask you kind of about your background. Oh, we lost Andrew, but he'll come back. Don't worry. Um, talk a little bit about the Twitter account. No context CFB. You post a bunch of different um, entertaining, funny videos, pictures, things like things like that, and you've had a lot of success. I guess, like, how does that even start? You know, like day one. What did that look like? <laughs> The start looked like me being really confused that someone reached out to me to help them run an account that I didn't understand the concept of all. And then I got very into it and it's taken off into what it is now. Um, Yeah, like literally at the beginning, I didn't understand what a no context account was. I didn't know what any other no context accounts were. I had never seen one, but... You know, I knew, like, I pretty much watch more college football than anyone, I think. And definitely since the account started, I feel like uh, if there was a Guinness World Record holder for most minutes of college football watch since 2018, I own that. And I'm very proud of that. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, like, seriously, though, at the beginning of the account, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just, like, going back through random YouTube games, finding something funny to tweet, and then would do it like that. And very quickly, it started in August of 2018. Very quickly, it got like a thousand followers, and I was kind of perplexed, like how that happened so quickly. One K is a lot, and you have like noble people like Barstool Big Cat and and Scott Van Pelt were like two early followers. I was so confused because <laughs> that that level of success is not supposed to happen. So complete opposite ends of the spectrum too you know like <laughs> like you're doing something right if you get both ends of it that's funny yeah, i i didn't really understand why that happened um and i mean 
big thank yous to them because they really help the account grow. People see them following, they want to follow too. And just spending my Saturdays, any college football days, just tweeting clips, memes, pictures. More recently, just tweeting words to try and be funny. Uh, you know, I think the accounts like changed a lot from what it was in like 1819, um, which is good. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I like writing the accounts. Very fun. Is uh, into it. Feel like we'll edit it out if you don't want to talk about it. But is it are is this your full time gig at this point, or is it, are you like? It seems like you're you've got some monetization streams. Just look, scrolling through your your Twitter, uh, uh, like you've got you created a guide right for college football this year. Um, mm-hmm. So you're monetizing in some ways, but. Um, if you're willing to talk about it, I, I've always interested in hearing how people are working toward uh, trying to transcend or turn their hobbies into something of more than, more than that. Um, so how, have you just kind of been going with the flow or do you, have you tr- kind of like look to plan it out? Like, where can I take this? What, how can I uh, turn this into more than a hobby or I don't know where, what's your, do you have a vision or are you just kind of just having fun? I'm not really someone that like, looks too far down the road or sets goals or anything i really just kind of am in the flow and take things day by day and whatever happens happens but like i definitely this is definitely what i do full time i'm not gonna like beat around the bus this is what i do it's very busy and like i kid you not it's it's a full-time job in the fall i don't think people really understand that um I, I don't wake up for, like, the start of college game day because I think that's ludicrous. I'd be up from, like, 5 a.m. and be going to bed, like, 3 every single week for a full season. It's not, I'm not doing that. Um, it's more like I wake up at, like, 7.30 and go to bed at 3, so a little more sustainable. <laughs> but like Yeah, way more reasonable. I, yeah, that's why I do. Every single, like, time there's a college football game, I'm, I'm on my couch. I'm I, I have my phone, like, with – completely legal streams ready to go to find some like i watch the game on tv if an announcer says something like uh jordan rogers said talk to me dirty corn dogs i have the stream ready all right i'm gonna record that <laughs> clip i'm gonna get it out and then people are like holy you're so fast how are you so fast in this because i've been doing this for like five years now i just got really it's muscle memory at this point um I don't know, man. If I don't know what I would do if it's not this, essentially, because this is really what I've become. But um, there's a lot <laughs> of things that I would like to do. Uh, like, like I've applied for other jobs and stuff, and it doesn't always, uh, you know, go the right way. I've had very bad experiences asking, uh, applying for like Arizona Cardinals jobs. Just they have shut me down like six times, so I think I'm gonna stop trying there. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's been bad. Um, I, I don't like. I I could see myself working in so many different areas, whether it be in college football and using no context as like a big outlet for for a legit brand, or working for like a sports social media team, or working in hockey. Like, I, I don't know where I could be next month or next year, but as long as I'm. I don't have that job. Like I'm fully committed to making this successful and just playing smiles and giving people laughs. Like that's super important. I 
I think you do a good job of it. I know personally, I enjoyed it. Like I said earlier, right? Like I, I shared the, the tweets, I shared the, the pictures, things like that. Um, when it comes to college football, you also do transfer portal co- uh, college football, correct? And it, that's yeah. a team that's also created a guide. Uh, you know, pitch it a little bit. Talk a little bit about what that entails and and uh, what yeah. you can get out of it. I'm curious. Uh, so, you know, growing up, I've always just I, – I've been, like sports has been my life. That's just completely obvious, I think. Sports has been my life. I've been – just fully immersed in the sports world and growing up, you know, early tens, 11, 12, whatever, I'm like seeing all this great talent. And I'm realizing this guy, Khalil Mack, star. Nobody's talking about him, though. He ends up being a top pick in the NFL and going on to be an absolute game wrecker in the best football league in the world. Damian Lillard at Weber State it was the same thing. Nobody's talking about him. Why? There's too much talent in these college sports. There's too many teams. People don't talk about them. So that was really important to me was just wanting to shine, shine a light on everybody that plays college. We, we did college football. We talked about basketball. It hasn't you know, happened. But wanting there, there's now 133 teams in the FBS plus the FCS and all the other divisions, but I'm not getting into because that's two sickos. I'm not doing that. 130, <laughs> 133 FBS teams. Just think of how many players that is, how many stories there are to tell, how many guys don't get people talking about them. So that's why the transfer portal CFB star, because me and a few other people were like, we just, we're just tweeting all the time. My only is actually trying to do something with it. That's how that happened. August 2021 is when we launched. And we have like over 20 people contributing for us. Uh, it's all like volunteer work too. We're all doing it. We're able to pay people a little now because of the uh, the magazine, the guide, which uh, one of our one of our guys, Dan Keegan, approached us with the idea in like December and was like, "Yeah, we should do a college football preview." And me and the other co-founder, Dylan Ruiking, looked at him like he was a maniac, like he was psychotic, <laughs> like there's no way we could do that. Like, look at what Athlon and Phil Steele and Pick 6 previews, et cetera, do. They have so much time and thought going into it. And we really didn't start the process till like, late January, February. So, hell, I still don't know how we got done. It, it's wild. But um, if I had – I'm saying a lot of words, so I'm sorry. But um, if, I had to, <laughs> if I had to pitch that magazine, it's $9.99 and, you know – that's that's a pretty good price in my opinion for 368 pages of college football content where we highlight each each FBS team all 133 teams have a two page spread and they're all like a thousand two hundred words each. So when you're going out out to these other magazines and you're reading them, you got like eight thousand five hundred sixty three words on Alabama and Georgia combined, and then like twelve on Coastal Carolina, App State, and Georgia Southern. Ours is one point two k ish each for every single team. Mm -hmm. That's so much quantity and quality and attention to detail, and 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 I mean on top of that, as I was talking about like shining lion players, we had twenty plus player interviews. and I think that really differentiated us from other season previews and guides as we were able to tell, you know, the journeys and stories of some of these guys. Blake Corum helped us out with the NIL for good piece. I spoke to Grayson McCall and, and kind of wrote about his um, final season, his encore coming up. You have Jay Donat, who was 
freshman sensation of college fantasy football legend because he could have gone for free, essentially. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just talking to him and being able to tell his story. There's so many things that people don't know about him. And I, I mean, I really cherish the fact that we got to help tell these kids stories and be like the first to it. Like Jay and I was telling us, um, he'd be in school at like 11 years old. He'd be in school and he'd hear the, the car brakes of his mom's car. And he'd be like, I gotta, I gotta do something to fix this. I, I gotta get it to the league. I gotta get to college. And he's like 11 years old, Jay did not. And he's thinking about, I need to be a college enrollee so I can provide for my family. I don't know what other kid is thinking that at age 11. That's nuts. So just the things that I'm able to learn about these guys is just very, uh, very cool. And that, that's, uh, I guess, a very long answer for why the transfer portal CFB exists. <laughs> it works. I will say, I think college football fans, especially in the college fantasy football realm, are itching for info and we're itching for different perspectives. Um, so like your guys, you guys putting out something, especially at 999 is like super affordable. You know, even if, even if a hundred pages are valuable out of the 368, like that's a hundred pages of content that gives you a different perspective. And I think like Andrew can attest to it. We kind of live in a bubble in this college fantasy world where it's like, you listen to the same people, you follow the same people, and so getting somebody different. Uh, so I'm glad that you did it. I think that's awesome. I, I'm going to take a look at it after this, uh, head on over and, and make a purchase. But, uh, Andrew, any feedback thoughts here on, on the transfer portal or the. Dude, it's sick that you got a, uh, like, I was going to ask about kind of how you attained your information. If it was all kind of just grinding, grinding news or, but you mentioned that, uh, you got player interviews. Um, I hesitate to ask just because I question like how beneficial it actually is. So if you are to get like administrator coach level uh, access down the road, I don't know if you did this year or not, but like, I like how, how like you hear them talking at fucking conference media days, right? It's just garbage. You're not getting anything yeah. informational actionable whatsoever. So like if you were able to like, it seems like, okay, Phil still gets his hour of uh, his hour, like six months before, um, week one or whatever with a coach and people take that as being a lot of people take that as being absolute gospel. And sometimes there is real fruit that bears from that, right? Like what, like you go back, you check his record and sometimes dude, like he had that guy that no one else was projecting to start at receiver for that team that ended up going for a thousand yards and he nailed that and no one else did, but just like anything else, there's lots of misses as well. So you take it with a grain of salt, but the fact that like when, um, people are able to get that level of access. I think that that adds another layer, another wrinkle and makes it interesting. Assuming that, assuming that, that the coach is willing to say anything that's actually uh, interesting. Right. But um, is that, has that been on your mind for like, from a roadmap? Uh, I know you don't like the plan, uh, but just in terms of like uh, kind of downstream or did, did you guys pursue that at all this year? Um, yeah. So I'll answer a few things from this. So I'm just very honest too um, with the magazine. I think it's really good. I think it could have been better. I still think it's the best one out there. I, I really do think it's the best one out there. In a very unbiased opinion, I do. Uh, 
I did all, you know, when I was looking through it and reading, I was like, okay, I kind of disagree with this and this and this. And I think that <laughs> this guy should have been talked about more. Like, reading Northern Illinois' piece, I was like, there needs to be more about Ontario Brown. Like, we should be talking about him more. So I kind of wish I was more um, – I wish that myself, I put myself in a better spot where I could have read every preview and just kind of recommend maybe we should talk about J. Michael Sturdivant more, Ontario Brown, et cetera. Um, speaking to like coaches and administration, we did a piece. I wasn't involved in this uh, piece, but we did a piece of FCS to FBS and that kind of process. And they spoke to some people, I believe Sam Houston's AD, uh, some good people from App State, et cetera. So there was definitely some of that. Coach wise, um, I was able to get a few quotes. I, I collected a bunch of quotes. It's at the very end of the magazine, but uh have a coach, uh, quote from Coach Elko on Riley Leonard, Coach Lashley on Jalen Knighton, um, Jeff Collins, who, who's not coaching right now. He gave a few quotes on some of his former Georgia Tech guys. And then I talked to um, Brian Metz at Ohio, who's their tight ends coach. I talked to him a, a decent bit about, I, I mean, you can't you can't find anything on these Mac schools in February, March. It, there's nothing so nothing. I was desperate. I knew we followed no context. I was desperate. I was desperate to get more information on Ohio and see how Curtis Ork is like rehabbing and everything. Hold, 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 okay, we can't gloss over yeah, that. Yeah, so, yeah. What, what'd you learn? So, what, real work? quick, I've been I stared for an hour today at so my new favorite sports book, uh, Bet Rivers. They have one of the props they have is who will lead the nation in passing, and they've only got twenty four people on it. They don't have Davis Brin because I want to take him in that Georgia Southern offense, um, but. They have Rourke at 100 to 1. And I'm like, okay, you, I need to know about the knee I need, um, because that's huge, obviously. But looking back last year, he averaged 296 yards a game, including a game against Penn State, Iowa State, who they play again this year. Um, and then the game that he went down and shredded his knee in. So, and the total, like, you take those three games and they average out to like sub 200 yards a game, like a buck 50 a piece. And now this year, in place of that, I think they get um, San Diego State, mm-hmm. Iowa State again, and then, okay, he plays the whole game against the Mac school. So you could dream that th- those three games average out closer to 300, which would have put him, I think, second in the nation in yards per game. Um, mm-hmm. So it felt like the knee is like my main concern there. So anyway, please, should I make this bet? Yeah, okay. First off, uh, again, very honest. I did a two-hour Mac preview before last season on our channel. Two hours of just straight-up Mac talk. And Love it. I was very hesitant about Ohio. I wasn't buying them. Uh, and I, I I was not confident in, in Curtis Rourke. And I didn't know if he was going to be able to, like, you know, thrive in that same location, that same program that his brother dominated at Air Canada. Yeah. And then immediately, like, the season begins and I am all in on Curtis or complete 180. <laughs> I, I can't believe what I'm witnessing his ball placement was immaculate. Um, and that that's what coach Met said was I could trust Curtis to not only like he, he could literally throw football through a keyhole. Like he's that deadly accurate um, speaking to his like rehab and everything. So he got her in that ball state game. Same game Carson Steele got hurt. Very bizarre, very bad that both of them got hurt uh, that night. And he had surgery, like, within a week and was well ahead 
of schedule with his rehab. He was participating in team drills. And, uh, he was participating in the spring, but he wasn't like doing like full on drills or anything. He wasn't pads. He was like throwing all that stuff. I'm pretty sure. And, and Coach Metz said they fully expect to have him back for the San Diego State game. They're very confident in his health and everything. Uh, if he were to, like, suffer a setback or anything, they're very confident in C.J. Harris. But, like, they're all in. They're dead set on Curtis Short being the guy from snap one and being able to sustain the whole season. And and I could, I could also speak to some of their tight ends, you know, He's their tight ends coach, Coach Madsen. You talked about Tyler Foster and Will Kakmarek is one of the more underrated duos in the group of five at tight end. So I think those two weapons are really going to help Curse a lot. You know, he's got Wiglas, he's got Jones, but having those is also very good. Um, I think personally, the one thing I worry about is their their rushing attack as we've uh, become accustomed to with Ohio football. They get in the red zone, they want to run the ball a decent bit. Uh, having Oshan Allison and C.I. Bangura kind of worries me if they snipe some of his, some of Curse's passing touchdown. Oh, well, no, we're talking about yardage, so I think we're all good. Never yeah. mind. We should be all good. Well, Dude, there's, there's no we way Oshan Allison is still there. He is still there. I think he is still there, yeah. He's still there. I think he is still there, yeah. They have a freshman – they have a freshman back coming in. I'm bl- I'm blanking on his name, but I know that he's been making some waves and might get some. Uh, I mean, might how get dare some you forget the? Oh, is it Ohio. Ricky White? I think it's no, it's not Ricky White. That's <laughs> who the heck is? I can't remember his name. Now I'm very mad. I'm gonna go look at his name. <laughs> All right, so you kind of you. I feel like you. I feel like I know the answer to this, but I feel like it's the wrong answer. Liam, do you play college fantasy football at all? You do any best ball yeah. drafts, you any redrafts, any dynasty drafts, anything like that in college fantasy football world? Yeah. Um, my friend sucked me into doing a C2C startup with them last season, and we lost. <laughs> we are the best college team by a mile, and the amount of injuries we suffered, including Mr. Rourke, is unbelievable, and we lost. I'm very mad about it still. So you, you, you jumped get... straight into C2C cold? Uh, I did like I did like a college football fantasy season like in 2019 or something, but kind of like it just dies off because people don't care, which stinks. But yeah, I kind of went into it cold. It's impressive. That's uh, a, not uh, for, that's not a for the jump. faint of heart. I haven't been able to talk myself into C2C yet yeah. just because like I live and die with these players enough caring about what they're going to do on Saturday. Now you're telling me I need to worry about what they're going to do when they leave school. Like I would, I, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, Dude, I it them. was so cool though. It was so cool. Cause like, I don't know. Just having some, I, I went to the shrine bowl. And I was able to cover it. And like, seeing like Joel Will from central Michigan. I was like, yo, you were on my, my college, my C2C team. And you know, it's nice to get drafted. I'm like, Dude, when you got hurt, I was devastated more than anybody like and he talked to me about the injury and everything it was like yeah how i forget what he said but it was such a weird way that he got hurt um i think he was like hurt before and then he wanted like tough it out and then he got hurt again and he still want to tough it out and then he extends for the pylon uh extends for the end zone and gets hurt again and he was like yeah i probably shouldn't have kept playing yeah, uh, I, Ricky Hunt Jr. That's the Ohio running back's name. I found his name, Ricky Hunt Jr. 
look out for him. C2C is fun for sure. I, I haven't played it. Uh, I told my wife no Colts in 2023, uh, <laughs> but I know a lot of people that enjoy it, so I'm not going to knock it. I, I think the concept is cool. It's just I don't have the ability to, to spend that type of time on it. Um, oh, it's so you, brutal. Yeah, that it's. I think to me, it's what's difficult for me is it's you have to do it on two different platforms, which yeah, I have too much really going on already on Saturdays. I know you do too, Liam. So I'm sure it's a little bit of a, a stretch. Let's talk actual. Let's get specific about our college football players. So you have recently released um, top fives at some different positions. Before we get into your top fives, tell me kind of like what you graded on. Was it pure? NFL perspective was it college fantasy um, based? What's what's kind of the reasoning, or what's kind of like what you were grading these top five positions at? Kind of just taking everything into account. I'm someone that, and when it's like analytics or anti analytics talk, I've always just been smack dab in the middle. So there's none of that. Uh, I, I I the eye test is good too. Like people shouldn't trip over to the eye test. You watch them with your eyes and. It does go a long way, but definitely accounting for expected production on my behalf, like what I think they'll do. Um, I'm kind of expecting if a guy can make a run for the Heisman, if he's the focal point of his offense or his team, rather, if I end up doing defensive player rankings. Um, there's a bit of NFL into it as well. That's kind of why I have. I, I won't say his name yet, but it was kind of why I have the guy at number five that okay. I do because I'm expecting some NFL draft buzz to come sooner rather than later. Um, so I, I don't know. I kind of just take everything into account. And I like just – I've always liked doing different, like being different in these rankings and stuff. So I always try to do that a little and just imp implement my own uh, like flavor, which upsets a lot of people. But then – you know, in like four months, I'm like, yo, maybe, uh, maybe we shouldn't be laughing at. Uh, <laughs> All right, so they don't respond. Right, <laughs> right. So Andrew, I'm gonna come to you with Liam's top five quarterbacks based on uh, what seems like more of a well-rounded kind of um, uh, ranking system. Here's his top five quarterbacks. Tell me what you think. Caleb Williams, Drake May. Michael Penix Jr., Drew Aller, Riley Leonard. Off the cuff, what do you think about the top five? Riley Leonard was really good to me last year in college fantasy. Uh, I was happy to be to kind of to grab him really late and just see him thrive in that that uh, Kevin Johns is the OC, right? Kevin Johns uh, system. I, scan, I skimmed over Mox's piece, kind of trying to, to discern how how much of Riley Leonard's uh, production is manufactured versus how much is like, okay, this dude is a boss and like would succeed anywhere. And I feel like Mox, uh, Chris Mox has landed kind of on more in the, the schemed up production uh, bucket, which it's it's difficult to argue with because so much of hit hit that. Like the system is really awesome. It's so much okay. Quick hitters. Um, let's run the QB. Let's mix in these three different running backs. Let's do all these little things that it feels like don't necessarily amount to having to go drop back and go through all these different reads. Like, and there's nothing like, dude. I could care less. Like, you get me that production. I don't care how you do it. 
um, let's go score some some points, score some fantasy points and make some money. Um, but if we're just trying to think about like best quarterbacks, um, it's tougher for me to put him in there. I think I don't know anything about, uh, about Drew, Drew Um, I've taken him a little bit in some drafts, uh, lately in best ball, just cause it seems like, uh, a lot of people believe in his talent. The offense is going to score points. And um, he's if, huge, too, by the way. Yeah, yeah one, like, he should be able to help, help out like, through a running game, too. So he's 6'5, like, 240. Yeah. He feels That's very pro- projection, uh, right? Like, I personally would have a tough time putting him over Davis Brin uh, or John Rose <laughs> Pumley, uh, some, some of my boys. Um, but to each his own, I'm not judging. Well, they don't. They don't have the NFL side, maybe the the pure skill side, potentially that Aller or Leonard do. So maybe yeah. that's where. Uh, Liam, sell me or sell Andrew, I should say, on Riley Leonard. I mean, I just think that, like, I I'm kind of confident that Duke is going to take a game from either Clemson or Notre Dame. I think they're going to get one one of those games, and with that comes a lot of buzz, and with that comes a lot of looking around and seeing why they did and they're going to look at Riley Leonard. Like it's just, they're going to look at the guy that helped get the engine going. I think he's an incredibly underrated athlete. I think that his instincts really flash and shine a lot. And and he's just a super, he's a superb athlete. This is a guy that goes out there and throws down windmill dunks with ease (laughs) in game. Uh, he told me he would never dunk on me, which I really appreciated when I interviewed him. So that was pretty nice. Jared Verse told me he would dunk on me. So bad, bad points for Jared Verse. But yeah, I big Jared Verse guy, not to get to the defense or anything. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I just really like Riley Leonard, and I think he's an exciting dual threat quarterback that does a lot of very good things. He has really good ball placement. Maybe it is because of the scheme they place it, but I don't really care because at the end of the day, I've always believed, like, why are we not trying to set up the quarterback for the most success possible? Like, that stuff is so idiotic. When a guy gets to the NFL and the offensive, like, scheme isn't tailored to his, like, strengths and everything, it's just so dumbfoundingly idiotic. Set your quarterback up for success and let him thrive, and they do help set him up for success. But I think you also look around on Duke's offense, and there's no other star power, let's be honest. It's, it's that's their star power is Graham Barden uh, at, at left tackle. Aside from those two, there's like there's Jalen Calhoun, and I mean you just gotta look around and don't there. I don't know. You you're not a Jordan Moore fan. I I do like Jordan Moore, but I'm like converted quarterback too, which is pretty fun. But like yeah. that, that's why I'm saying is that like when you look at Duke, they're not littered with talent that all these other teams are with top quarterbacks and what Riley Leonard's able to do, what he was able to do last year for a Duke team that had zero expectations in Elko's like, I don't know, man. I, 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 I'm just, I'm a Riley Leonard guy and I'll try it. We like it. I mean, he's a, in CFF, he's a top 12 to 15 quarterback easy. So this is not a, do you think there's some NFL potential on top of it? Top yeah. five certainly makes makes sense. And, and to your point, uh, Liam, you still have to make the throw. You still have to run the offense. Even if it is a, a gimmicky maybe offense, you still have to run it, make the throws, and make the plays, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask, was there somebody – I know you, like – obviously you, you tweeted it out, and then you got a ton of responses. 
was there someone you got a ton of slack for? Was there someone that like you just got <laughs> ripped on for? Like, who were you getting ribbed on the most for for not having the top five? Thankfully, I don't think I got ripped, but I think that the guys that people would want up there is maybe Jordan Travis and Bo Nix. I feel like those are the first two guys that come to my mind that more that more people would have in their top five. Um, oh, Quinn Ewers probably. Uh, probably people talking their group messages and stuff like this idiot doesn't have Quinn Ewers. Maybe that's a mistake. I don't really uh, – I don't have him. I don't have him in the top forty-five of CFF. So you're good there. <laughs> he hasn't been exactly um, impressive thus far, and if that changes in 2023, good. Then we'll adjust the list. That's, a, that's the beauty of this. All we're doing right now is projecting. Everything could change on October 12th. <laughs> like, right. We're going to watch the games analyze, and things are going to change. Yep. So this whole thing, this whole this appearance on, on burning the red shirt started because of your top five running backs. You tweeted it out. I don't know why I saw it or how I saw it, obviously, other than just that I follow you. Uh, so I saw it and figured, Hey, why don't, why not respond and, and tell you my thoughts? So we went back and forth a little bit. We arranged this, but your top five running backs were rocket Sanders, Quinshot Judkins, Nick Singleton, Braylon Allen and Frank Gore jr. So you have one fan in your corner in Andrew for Frank Gore's mention. But I think that from a CFF standpoint, I think we all love Rocket Sanders, but it feels like Judkins is like, that is, that is numero uno. So tell me maybe a little bit why you, you like Rocket more than Quinshaw Judkins. I mean, I feel like they really could be one, a one B and I really wouldn't care uh, if someone said Judkins is one, like it's completely reasonable maybe it is more reasonable i don't know i think that rocket's in line for a massive season though and i think i truly believe that like i don't agree with it i don't agree with around one running back stuff but i think that we're gonna get to the next spring and he's gonna be talked about as a round uh, as a first round pick like i think that's where rocket's hair is saying and ultimately judkins but when you look at rocket now Man, he's six foot two. He's around 235, 240. And he has blazing speed, incredible burst. He's the focal point of an Arkansas offense that I'm not like a big KJ Jefferson guy at all or anything. And we could be looking at it in a few months. And if Arkansas is over exceeding and Rockets playing up gaudy numbers, he's strapping the Heisman talk potentially. Um, I, like, I, I love Judkins, I love Rocket. You can't go wrong. I think it's right. just a bit of preference for Rocket, and no, you can't go wrong. Can't go I hate playing these two against against each other. You can't go wrong, Andrew. Where did uh, what what running back maybe would you have put in the top five in comparison yeah, to the, the list? Is the running back list is pretty unassailable that you put together, Liam? Especially since you included Frank Gore. Um, <laughs> I I would be tempted to put at least. A, a couple more G5 guys in there just to, for solidarity purposes. Um, all of so much of the CFF space, we all love Rasheen Ali. Uh, mm-hmm. would love to make an argument to maybe sneak him in over someone who splits carries and doesn't even start some of his games, like Nick Singleton. Uh, I'm I, I've been sold on slash have bought in on uh, LaDamian Webb a lot over the course of this uh, offseason. Maybe top five's a bit 
tough, but I just call back to how dominant he was until he got hurt uh, in the middle of last year. And I know injuries have kind of been something that's been him throughout the duration of his career, but that dude plays a full season, anything close to healthy. He probably has like the, uh, the statistically top two, top three uh, season amongst all running backs. Yeah. It's you know, Alabama going to be a heck of a team this year too. Yeah, they're fun. My favorite part about Rasheen Ali is that I think he has three years of eligibility remaining. Sounds right. Which is about the greatest thing you could ever have out of what is like a top 12 pick in consecutive years. Um, you haven't released a top five receiver group. You've listed it on our show sheet, our first ever show sheet. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. Do you want to, you want to break it or do you want to save it for your, uh, your Twitter? let's talk about it. So I, I feel like, like this the group. top three is locked in. I like this group. I think it's a good mix of, of fantasy production, also with NFL production and potential, and just I think pure coolness. Um, <laughs> we have Marvin Harrison uh, Jr. at number one, Egbuka at number two, Odunze, Juice Wells, and Malachi Corley. You have a good mix of, of group there. Was there someone maybe? Or maybe who was that sixth guy? You know, who were you considering to, to jump into neighbors. the top? Okay. 100% Malik neighbors. I had him slot in like four or five. Um, and then my guy Kyron Samuels tweeted out his list. And he had Juice Wells at four, and I DM'd him for a bit. And he convinced me, like, I got to get Juice in there. I've been, I, since he was at JMU in 2021, I've been talking him up. The first time I watched him, like, the first two catches he made, I tweeted out, okay, he's an NFL talent. Like, this, this this dude's real, so I need to help fly that flag. That's maybe it's a bit of bias that he's in the top five and everything, and me planting the flag and all. But you know, I I um I did a video last year, kind of predicting like Bolitnikov dark horses, and I kind of mapped out why I think Juice's path would be if he were to get on there. And I said like, yeah, I think if he could get to 100 catches we're looking at a legit threat and he only had like 68 or whatever he did not get the ball near enough i don't understand when he got the ball he was popping off and they were winning ball games you look at the uh arkansas game and then what followed after that a whole bunch of nothing it didn't make any sense it doesn't add up and then he went out there and carved against clemson and tennessee He's a big-time player. If you get him the ball, he's going to make incredible things happen with it. Um, I, I, I like his toughness, too. He's super tough. But, yeah, uh, Malik what, Neighbors, I was not what happy was, about. So we – I think as a consensus CFF group, I think we really like Neighbors, generally speaking. But Jane Daniels kind of, like, limits his upside because – 100%. I mean, Nussmeyer is incredible throwing the football. We saw that in the bowl game. Uh, like it was just incredible to watch. If Nussmeyer was the quarterback and there was no Jaden Daniels, I think the CFF group would think Neighbors is a top six, seven producer. And that's with like Corley, the Washington guys, the Ohio State guys being pretty much locked into the top five for CFF production purely. So we are, I think we're all Neighbors fans, but from our perspective, maybe it's a little bit more like, you know, CFF production's tough when you have Jaden Daniels running it 18 times a game, which I personally love because I love Daniels. Uh, but, Andrew, do you remember that we took Juice Wells last year in our uh, startup draft? Vaguely, yeah. 
I felt pretty dumb about it after the fact. I'm I'm not gonna like try to brag on it because I, afterwards I was like, man, this feels like a this feels like an awful pick. But here we are. But uh, Andrew, now. Andrew, any discrepancies in the top five of the receiver group or? So this is one of my hottest takes that it's been uh, forming, and it, I think it stemmed from. I think someone put out a question. Maybe it was you asking, like, amongst the first round college fantasy football picks that are consensus this year, who do you think is the one most likely to bust? And even though he's borderline, I think you could throw him in there. But I'm starting to craft the argument that, like, I could see it with Egbuka. Um, like, Kyle McCord might just target his his high school teammate Marvin Harrison enough to get him into the Heisman discussion. And Ekbuka doesn't return anything close to uh, back in the first round value. Um, and I think that that, like, even outside of that, there's like lots of other ways to, to fail, right? That, like when you, both those guys going in the first round necessitates so much concentrated volume for them. Um, and I assume, I would think that the assumptions predicating that volume and that the efficiency of that volume basically come from the idea that McCord can be somewhat representative of what Stroud was um, in previous years, which is a big ask for a guy who has started one game against uh, Akron his freshman year, right? Two or three years ago or whatever. Um, I'm a believer in McCord. I think that Harrison has a monster year, but I could see Egbuka not living up to the hype statistically this year. As I, Oh, I was sorry, just saying, as a Michigan fan, I thought, I mean, obviously both are talented, but I felt like Ryan Day's play calling was like pretty bland. Like Dreadful. it was almost like, yeah, it was like Egbuka's awesome. Why are you only throwing it to him with these like bubble screens and stuff? It felt like Virginia Tech 2014, you know, like the end of the Beamer era. It was just like brutal screen passes and nothing creative. Um, so I can get aboard that, Andrew. What were you going to add, Liam? Oh, well, I'll add on to that. I live in the same house as uh, an Ohio State diehard, my brother, and he absolutely hates Ryan Day um, a lot. That's kind of rubbed off on me. I don't like, I think he's extremely overrated or whatever. When he gets into big games, you see a lot of the same stuff as James Franklin. So it's funny when James Franklin and Ryan Day's teams play each other and they're having the coward off. I mean, <laughs> like, I. I Stroud and Marvin had to bit. Was it? Was what? I can't remember. Was that the two man? Yeah, yeah. Stroud and Marvin last year playing their two man game against Penn State had to bail Ryan Day out of that game and get them the win. I mean, I, I, I'm, I made a, you know, the he's got that dog in him X-ray meme. I did that with Courage the Cowardly Dog, and I use it a lot now. And I made it because of the Ryan Day coaching experience against Penn State. Like, I'm not a day guy at all, but if we do live in that world where Egbuka doesn't perform to his standards, I think it's okay because I think he's going to dominate. Not dominate, but I think he's going to thrive in the NFL anyway, right? And I just think his talent wins out eventually. Uh, I'm not a player comps guy at all, but I could recognize one when it's going to happen. And we're going to be hearing Emeka Egbuka compared to Chris Olave for the next I don't know how many months <laughs> from September till the time he's drafted, and it's going to annoy me a lot. But I mean, I recognize it. We might as well brace ourselves. That comp is never going to stop being made. I like that. Yeah, I I think we all agree. Both those, I mean, Ohio State guys in terms of receivers, just inc- incredibly talented for years and years and years. One one more thing about uh, 
the, the your list so your, your list is rad uh liam but so not to take us back into the betting sphere one more time but i almost i was gonna i was scanning bullet nikoff odds and i was like ooh, malachi corley is 60 to one like that feels great wait let me do the thing that actually people who actually know what they're doing betting do and look back at the award winners of the previous years and see what they have in common and like when was the last time a G5 guy won a Blinikov? Dude, it's like pre-2000. Like, I, in my in my mind, all those Colorado State receivers won it, but none of them ever won it. None of these G5 receivers ever win it, It's which is ridiculous because we have so many prolific, unbelievable, uh, statistically insane G5 receivers, and they never win the award. So yeah. I, didn't, I didn't light any money on fire on that one just because it just feels like a bad bet. I don't think I can really go in depth on that because I I did, I did get a Bolitnikov vote last year, so I'm a voter, and I did. I'll I'll, I'll be transparent about my ballot last year. Um, I had Marvin in my final ballot, like I had Marvin as the winner, and I had Rasheed Rice second. So like I give the Geo five due respect. But you, did you? Others. So you didn't? You did not have one two years ago? Uh, no, I got last year. Last year Dude. was my first year voting. One of our uh, our uh, comrades who plays college fantasy football as well, he has a a Belinikov vote. And this dude is like, or was, hardcore college fantasy football. So he fucking knows the G5 inside and out. And I'm like, dude, you voted for Jareth Stearns, right? And he's like, no, I voted for like maybe Addison, I guess, right? I'm like, dude, you are one of us. You can't be traitorous like that. You need to Right in blood, Jared Stearns, and mail that thing in. Like, if only I, for uh, I will vote for Jared. <laughs> <laughs> How I gotta I gotta take a side step here from fantasy and just rankings talk. How do you get a Bolitnikov vote? Like, um, what, what application do you turn in for that? I was, I'd say, in like May last year. I kept looking at like O'Brien. Um, the cop and other awards and just emailing people like asking i would find like a ram email on their site and i would ask like how do i get a vote i really want oh i watch more college football than anyone please let me have a vote please <laughs> um, and then the, the bolitnikov uh they're the only award to respond um so my favorite award now 100 percent. they're the weakest and... one i like it good to know <laughs> they, they were they were the only one to respond and he just said like if you know anyone that's on our ballot, um, like any of our voters, like talk to them, ask them for a strong letter of recommendation. We'll see what we could do. And uh, Shahan J. Arijah from CBS helped me get it. So big, big shout out to Shahan. Dude, that's nice. That's awesome. What a, I feel like I would put that on my tombstone, like 20-year <laughs> Bolitnikov voter. Man, uh, I, I, I just... I want to be the guy that helps a group of five guy win it. No biases or anything. It's just if it happens, it happens. And I'm going to vote for who I truly believe is the best receiver. But we need a group of five receivers soon. And if it's Corley, good. Uh, that kid deserves it. Um, yeah, he crushes. I, I still, I still like fully transparent and everything. I still think they got the vote wrong last year. I don't think it should have been Hyde. I think it should have been Marvin. I think he's by far the best receiver in the sport. Like, we're giving the award to the best receiver, right? Shouldn't have been 
uh, have been the best receiver. Uh, <laughs> Jalen Hyatt's very fortunate to have his stats inflated from the Alabama game. That was very good. Um, I mean, I just, I, I just, it's hard for me to recognize the best receiver in the sport as someone who is a big time product of a system for true sprint speed and burning dudes deep and just hypo and goalish like helping him out a lot and hooker's big arm like i just he felt like a one-trick pony and for me that's not someone that i would want to represent as the best receiver in the in the sport so that's why i didn't vote for hyatt do you have uh do you have a, a vibe on tennessee's receiver one that replaces hyatt i mean i i i have to ask right like I'm a Brew McCoy fan. I know it's not going to be him. That's totally fine, Liam. You're not going to hurt my feelings. But is it Squirrel? You can say it's Squirrel, right? I honestly don't know. I, I We'll see what happens. I mean, I kind of was just thinking that it would be Brew McCoy. If it is uh, Squirrel White, I'd be very happy. But if it's Dante Thornton, I'm going to be the happiest. I really want to see Dante Thornton get his chance and run with it. Well, some of us are uh, Ray Mel Keaton uh, true believers as well. Get out of here with that. <laughs> I can't let you talk anymore if you're going to spit Romeo Keaton. Uh, all right. Let's talk a little bit uh, a little, a little bit differently here. Not fantasy focused, but a little bit college, just 2023. What team, Liam, I'll start with you to give you time to think about it, Andrew, because I know you did no research. Liam, what team do you think surprises us in the most way or most positive way in 2023? Um, so one with Duke, I'm going down the Riley Leonard, Mike Elko train and I'm going with Duke. As I said, you know, a few minutes ago, I think that they take the game against Clemson on Monday night to open the year where I think they beat Notre Dame. That's a massive win. Um, I think you look at the rest of their schedule. I think that there's a clear road to like nine or 10 wins, uh, I, I gave them conference wins over North Carolina State, Louisville, Wake Forest, UNC, Virginia, and Pitt. I think that they're just better than all those teams. I, I'm not the biggest UNC guy. I don't really trust the defense. Uh, look at the offense. I think it's going to be a fun offense. I think Devontae Walker is going to – I think Devontae Walker could get into that top five WR talk when it's all said and done, but I just don't trust UNC. I trust Duke. Uh, they return a lot of talent. They have a lot of upperclassmen. Uh, you look at the defense, I think someone like Joshua Pickett, cornerback, is someone that could break out and get onto NFL draft radar. I think he has really good uh, athleticism and pass breakup skills. I just think they have a lot of good talent. And while it's not that, when we're talking about the offense, while it's not that like elite, transcendent talent, they have the dudes. They have the scheme. They have enough. They have the quarterback. They have a good coach. They have everything they need to go out there. They have a star left tackle. Like I just like Duke a lot. I think the schedule's very good for them. Um, it's just not the sexy pick, though. Nobody's going to go out there and be like, yeah, Duke football. Yeah, man. Wow, I can't wait to watch some Duke football. No, you say that and people like ask, no, you meant basketball, right? Like it's the basketball team that's good. And then I still think Coach K's there or something. Like nobody's going to care about Duke. Uh, Duke Duke could literally be ranked like top 50 at some point this season. Still nobody's going to care. And still no, everyone's going to doubt them. So, yeah, Duke's going to surprise a lot of people if they uh, are open-minded to it. Okay. 
Andrew, who you got? Quick response to, to Liam, real quick. So, uh, Labor Day, the Labor Day night game is one of my favorite games of the entire college football season. Like we've been through hell and back those that that week one that starts on Thursday, right? The Friday, Saturday yeah. games. Uh, we now we have a, a trio of games on Sunday as well. Those of us who have Northwestern under win totals are very invested <laughs> in that that noon kick against uh, my locals, uh, Rutgers, uh, Scarlet Knights. And then I think we have San Jose State, Oregon State, and then uh, LSU, Florida State. So Sunday's going to be awesome. And then Monday, like I always try and plan a, a date night that Monday night for myself and my wife. We always go to um, a, a bar, a restaurant near us and the game's on. It's great. Um, but so nice tradition. And while it's gonna, I think it's going to be a fun game, like, as someone who will be keeping Riley Leonard in his home league, that's tough to roll him out there from a fantasy perspective. Week one at Clemson, yes, neutral site, but like I've no, seen. No, it's not even neutral site. It's at Duke. Really? It's not in. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was in like the Georgia Dome. ATL? Or no, it's at Duke. I'm like 98% sure that it's at Duke. Oh, that's fun. If uh, Happy to be to be wrong about that, but. I've seen cl- what Clemson D does to quarterbacks when I've had the the gall to start them against uh, them in the past. So, I mean, yeah, the the secondary was weak last year for Clemson, but it's I don't know if I want to bet on that year over year. Um, but yeah, dude. Um, ho- hopefully, Duke's is fun this year as they were last year. And uh, from a surprise perspective, yeah, maybe they have a, they have the next step. But I've uh, for all uh, all of our many podcast listeners they've heard me talk talk this team up um a bunch but i'll i'll stand firm and ride with iowa uh this year i think they get the offense in order defense is strong even though i'd not like to see today that they had to swap out uh one of their defenders that's going to media day for a different one because the dude's tied up in a gambling scandal scandal so that that's awesome but you guys assume with iowa they, they roll the whole two deeps probably stacked on defense, right? They're always bringing in uh, guys that I have no idea who they are and turn to start and go go in the early rounds of the NFL draft. So hopefully that remains uh, static. Um, yeah, I think the offense uh, gets sorted to, to enough of a degree where um, what in the past is, the past few years has been eight eight games now turns into ten. Schedule's nice, right? No Ohio State, no Michigan. That fucking bullshit whiteout game is probably an L. Uh, on CBS, right? Um, but I think that, like, the more, the deeper we get into the summer and the more I think about it, I think they should be, like, I would back them in a coin, like, if you stack the odds 50-50, which they aren't, who wins the West? It's just you have to pick between Wisconsin or Iowa. I'm going with Iowa because I think that um, they're, like, even though that, like, yes, they're bringing in transfers and, like, they have to make up ground on offense. I think that to see it, I'm in the camp that thinks that it doesn't click year one uh, to the degree, degree needs to take down the Big Ten West for Wisconsin. Um, so I think Iowa gets the win there. There's a, a lot of other games that, like, they're not cakewalks, right? Like, I think they, they host Illinois. They go to Nebraska. But, like, you're playing in a Power Five conference. How many cakewalks can you really expect? So, and yeah. most of their games range from just don't, don't sleepwalk through this game to two or three they're going to have to go out and win them. And I think they will. I like that Iowa versus Wisconsin prediction. I think part of it, right? Like I'm not a Tanner Mordecai fan. I don't know if he's the right fit for that offense. I also think that like Iowa has won a lot of games with some awful quarterbacks. So yeah. like Caden McNamara 
he was the – I mean, obviously, you don't have to be great in a Michigan offense with stud running backs and tight ends, offensive linemen, to, like, make it to the champion – like, the playoffs. But he still – that's it's still somewhat of a feat. Like, Tanner Morakai would not have done that, right? So, I, I like that call. I went with uh, Central Florida. I, I am a little bit of a J- JRP fan, obviously. Uh they're not – It's the hard part about picking a Big 12 team is they play nine conference games, so you don't get, like, three to four easy wins. They play Kent State. They play Villanova. Both of those, obviously, are good, especially with Kent State Exodus. At Boise State will be difficult um, week two, but it will be a super fun game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when you look at their Big 12 schedule, like, I'm not that concerned about it at the second half of the season. They play West Virginia – they play at Cincinnati, which could be difficult. At Texas Tech, not concerned about Oklahoma State. Like their quarterback was fourth string for Michigan last year. So, am I really that concerned about that? At or I'm sorry, against Houston to end the season. Dana, I mean, everybody could revolt by the end of it. Um, and the big thing is they play some difficult games early, which is when JRP he won't have enough time to have had concussions and hamstring pulls by then. So. This, the schedule plays in his health's favor. Uh, so that is a very nice positive uh, in terms of Central Florida's outlook. What I think? can't wait for the UCF-Boise State game. Oh, yeah, dude. That's a great – that is a great I mean, game. I, I'd have to look more into it, but off the top of my head, I feel like Boise State has the toughest non-conference schedule in the country. They have Washington, UCF, Memphis, and then like a top twenty-five FCS North Dakota team. North, yeah, that is kind of brutal. Uh, And the nice thing is they got a ton of talent on both sides of that game, right? Like JRP, Baker, Hudson, Harvey from UCF, and then you have Taylor Green. Um, (laughs) Stephen Cobbs was awesome two years ago. I Um, love Cobbs. I mean. I, I I was so mad at Boise State all of last season. I don't care what, I, what they win, nine or ten games. Like, I don't care that they won that many games. They still dropped the ball against UTEP. The, there was, like, nothing to be excited about uh, with their offensive play calling until there was a switch. And still, even then, like, Taylor Green didn't even truly unlock the keys to the offense. And they didn't get Stefan involved. And Oh my gosh! If it's not different with Bush Hamden this year, I'm going to be very disappointed. Yeah, we all feel the same. There's a ton of talent running the football there. Green yeah, is incredible. Are. He had 10 rushing touchdowns on 81 carries. Uh, Halani is like the most hated, amazing college football running back of all time. Like, and it's only it. because Gene T is so exciting of a young player that you want to see the young guy. Mm-hmm. And you have this old kind of clogger filling up the space. So a, a ton of skill talent at the very least. And then um, incoming freshman Chambres Dubar is also like someone that I'm a massive fan of. We got him in our C2C league. I think he'll him and him and Ashton next year. It's disgusting. I think both those guys are NFL talented backs. So I mean, Boise State's like oozing with so much talent. Um. The issue, like, that schedule's monstrous. Yeah. Uh, Speaking from a negative standpoint, Andrew, I'll start with you here. Who is kind of like your team that's going to surprise everybody the most from a negative standpoint? Who's going to maybe lose more than um, people would think? 
not to beat the same drum over and over, but Florida State, I think they dropped four games. Uh, I don't see them beating Clemson or LSU, and they play a bunch of conference games that they got to show up for. Um, I get it, but they've been doing really well through the transfer portal. I liked Jordan Travis more when it was cool uh, and hip to like him before he was a freaking top five Heisman candidate and just like, Same. yeah, like I like, yeah. it was fun when he was like the, the kid who, Ooh, wow. That kid got in as the third stringer at Louisville and he just ran for a 60 yard touchdown or when he kind of, when he swapped in for Mackenzie Milton and like showed some, showed some stuff. Right. Um, but now it's not, it's not cool anymore. So you got to flip the prism a little bit on him. Does um, that- does that surprise you, Liam? Or, or you, did you no, come I in the same boat? Okay. Yeah. Regarding Jordan Travis. What about FSU's outlook? I feel like they're the, the hot buzz. And, Which know, buzz doesn't team. really ever work out for people or for teams like <laughs> NC State last year, completely derailed. Um, I, it just, just having to be cautiously optimistic, but if, like you look at on paper, FSU is so disgusting. I think I, I'm very excited to see how they use their tight ends, Jaheim Bell and Kyle Morlock. I think that that's going to be a fascinating tight end duo to uh, to 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 get familiar with. I think Johnny Wilson's just overrated. I think just bluntly, I think he's overrated. Um, I Trey base Trey Benson's super fun to watch. Um, I mean, the defense, man, Fentro Cypress, Jared First. They're a fun team. Ugh. Yeah. I, but fun doesn't translate to wins. I've learned that the hard way. Yeah, and typically when you see, like, the hype intensify, like you're saying with NC State, which is funny because uh, Andrew and a buddy of our, Kyle Francis, a buddy of ours, Kyle Francis, talked ACC conference preview, and I'm fairly 99% sure he compared FSU to NC State last year. Yeah, um, not, not, not the team you want to be compared to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, who is your who's your surprise that will f- lose more than people realize, Liam? I I think I I cooked up a good formula here, and that's to go with the fan favorite that everybody thinks is going to be good, and that breaks their hearts. It's a team that broke my heart a lot last year. Um, we do an upset special show. We take two teams to to pull off an upset that week. I took. Tulane to beat Kansas State last year. Very proud of it. I then proceeded to pick against Tulane like four or five times the rest of the season and never – I I, I thought like, oh, this time they're going to be a letdown. I'm just seeing it now. 2023 is the letdown. The non-conference is not easy by any means. South Alabama – South Alabama could walk in there and beat them straight up. Ole Miss goes to Tulane. Ole Miss should be able to beat Tulane, though. And then they're at Southern Miss. Southern Miss is not a cakewalk in the slightest. I don't care what we've seen from that team and the lack of a passing game in recent years. They're like Southern Miss is going to show up. They're going to play really good football. And it shouldn't surprise anyone if they beat Tulane again behind that guy named Frank Gore Jr. And, and then looking in conference, I mean, they're at Memphis. They're 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 um, hosting UTSA too, and they're at FAU. I just think that there's enough games on their schedule to make you kind of take a step back, look at it, analyze things, and be like, their win total's like nine and a half. I think I think that's way too much. It's Whoa. eight and a half or nine and a half. I think that's way too high. 
They also either. you didn't even mention the fact that they lost one of their two best players. Tajay no, Spears yeah, is course. gone, and he is he was all worldly. He was incredible. What an insane talent! And the the big you know the big uh, kind of the hype that can gain from a bowl game that game against USC was about as incredible as it gets. You yeah. see that happen all the time, right? Incredible bowl game goes into the next season and then it's kind of a letdown. It's it's just like year to year success doesn't sustain. I mean, this is a team that was not good at all in 2021. They were amazing in 2022. I don't know why we have to look so near side. It can't be like, yeah, they could take a step back in 2023 and we could still uh, we just don't have to do the thing where like we give these teams incredible expectations and then you know, what we'll Tulane only wins eight games this year. Why do we have to say that that's unsuccessful, that that's tragic, that we got to blow this whole thing up, that they were so disappointing? Like, eight wins for Tulane should still be good. The standard isn't to go and win a New Year's Six Bowl every year. Like, I just I, – Tulane's going to let the, the public down. That, that's what it is. Um, and, yeah, uh, Taisha Spears, I was tweeting about him in 2020 – absolute monster i'm very happy for him that he got paid uh and got drafted earlier than he probably should have because of his medicals uh so very happy for tajay excited to see how tulane fortifies the backfield without yeah so my negative team here is utah a a little bit's based on the schedule a little bit's based on cam rising you know i feel like this is the craziest offseason we have all these players that significant players that have torn their ACL in the month of October, November, December and Cam rising tore his in January. And we suspect he's going to be back for week one, August 31st against Florida. Uh, You know, Utah to me as a team that without rising is not good offensively. It doesn't matter who you have out there at tight end that, you know, you have a quarterback playing a running back in Jaquindon Jackson. Like I could see, a very tough season for them because they do play Florida to start. And I don't like Florida by any means, but if you have a random Joe Schmo playing quarterback, that's not a good start. Then you play at Baylor. You got a cream puff, but then you play, you know, at Oregon State's not going to be easy. At USC, obviously not easy. They do play Oregon at home. Then you play at Washington later on. So I think there's a bunch of different teams there that – I'm not saying five losses, but you have a bunch of coin flips there. And, and Utah is a team that's used to 10 wins at this point, right? Competing for the Pac-12 championship. I could see eight wins. You know, I could see eight wins, maybe seven. You know, Colorado at the end of the season, does does Dion get things moving and grooving by the end of the year? Probably not because the defense should be absolutely horrible and rising should be back. But to me, that screams like a, a schedule that's super difficult with a quarterback it's going to be at best nine months out of ACL surgery that does need to use his legs a little bit to be successful. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing LA fair this year. I, I, the schedule's tough. You, you overlooked the Weber state of it, calling him a cream puff. I get it. I get it. Like Utah should handle business it is a top 10 FCS team though. Uh, you should look out legit. Look out for uh, their cornerback, Maxwell Anderson. He should be receiving an NFL draft buzz at some point in his career. He's been too good, uh, really good at picking up passes and everything. But and the focus on Utah, like, now I, I, it's just it's hard for me to envision a Kyle Winningham team like 
winning eight games. Like as these two have a coach to not right. do it, I think he'll find a way. It's really hard for me to like I was on the Florida train to beat Utah last year, and this year I'm on the Utah train to beat Florida. I just if a Graham Mertz led team goes into Salt Salt Lake City and beats Utah, I mean that's that's gonna shock me. For sure. <laughs> Graham Mertz. Uh yeah, enough said there. I I think we should wrap up here in a second, but we can't let you leave without some sort of hot take player team wise. Give us something to remember you by at the very least, Liam. Give me give me something that in six months okay. I'm gonna be like, holy shit, Liam is a genius. Okay, okay, okay. I'll, can, I, can I give one and then, like, think of two more? Sure. Yeah, I'll let you okay. give one, and then I'll give my 10-minute monologue about J.J. McCarthy, and then you'll have plenty of time to prep for it. All right, Curtis Rourke, I have to, I have to go to the Maple Missile. Two or fewer interceptions this season. He, he ain't he ain't turned the ball over. <laughs> what? <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> two or fewer. Let's go. I, I'm not knocking it. I'm just, like, I'm shocked by the Make it zero. specificness of it. And, by the way, incredible nickname for Rourke. Yeah, um, both of both those kids, Air Canada and the Maple Missile. Yep. Andrew, did you did you have a hot take that you wanted to give before I give my no, you, my yeah. I, well, I'll, I'll keep it. Stuff. I'll keep it abridged. Uh, JJ McCarthy to me is gonna. I think he's gonna have a huge season. Um, he's being drafted in the late 40s and CFF drafts. Um, I see top 20 potential. He's obviously a dual threat. We've seen him run. I think he's gonna progress. I think Michigan realizes, yeah, we have a cream puff schedule, but we need to actually be better. And we're not going to like evolve and get better as an offense without actually challenging ourselves. So I do think they run him a little bit more. I do think they throw more. Um, it, I mean, it obviously helps that they're going to beat everybody by 30 for the first seven weeks of the season. And he'll be a piece of that. And uh, yeah, so I think just in terms of dual threat, I always love a dual threat for CFF. Um, always helpful. And then very minor things, right? Like uh, the one co-offensive coordinator is gone. He was like third down, goal line, red zone type of play caller. All they did last year was hammer it with Corum. I could see maybe a little bit more easy touchdown potential for McCarthy inside the 10-yard line because of something as small as that. So hopefully that gave you a little bit of time, Liam. Do you got one more for us? Hold on. Let's just say – 700 yards for a Mecca Buka receiving this year. Is that, is that yours? Uh, yeah. 700? Yeah. You play uh, coy and then you come out of nowhere with a 700 yards for a Buka. <laughs> is this like 100 receptions, 700 yards, or is this like. No, it's going to be annoying. It's going to be annoying. He's going to go like five for 50 every week. It's going to just be like, we're going to keep playing him in DFS. Because price is going to drop, we're and it's just never going to. It's never going to happen. Okay. Dang. So last year, before the season, on our Sun Belt preview, I I came prepared then, and I made a prediction that Marshall would beat Notre Dame. So I'm trying to find something of equal magnitude. But I'm struggling right now. Do you want to predict the Braden Bennett comeback season? We got ideas for you. I do, we are I idea do like men, you know. I do like. I do like. I think Jared Brown's going to be a monster, though. I think when people talk about Coastal and they don't talk about him as the WR one, I just 
I can't believe it. Jared Brown's going to be a, he's he's the best receiver in the Sun Belt, in my opinion. Um, uh, there were other like receivers and stuff that I did want to talk about, but <laughs> kind of uh, on this bold prediction thing. Dang, I like Holy Cross to beat Boston College, but like I don't feel like that has the same magnitude. What do you mean? It's Holy it's Cross. Good. Yeah, but they're a top ten FCS team. Matthew Sluka quarterback. Like it just doesn't hit the same. Have you ever seen Wolf of Wall Street? No, I actually haven't. What? No, I, I mean it is, it's extremely long, so maybe it cut into your college football time. I would say check out Wolf of Wall Street as a movie with uh, DiCaprio. But it, the whole like half this show in my head, I have that one uh, scene where he's hitting the table that's saying "One of us, Andrew." <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, one yeah. of us. You know, that's the whole thing I'm thinking here when you're knocking off. Hey, by the way, Weber State's got a an NFL draft pick at quarterback. So it, we got dropping maple missiles here, but uh, I think we need to wrap. Uh, appreciate okay. you hopping on, man. Uh, people, you know, those that are listening that are not followers would shock me, but you can find Liam at uh, no contact CFB transfer portal. CFB. Is that the official at, uh, at T portal CFB e portal CFB? They do a, a nine 99 um, guide, 368 pages. Anything else I left out here about uh, kind of what you're doing, what your team's doing? No, just uh, me just being a goofball and watching college football. That's it. Um, I think Western Kentucky is going to make the New Year's Six, so that'll be good for Austin Reed and Malachi Corley. And my bold prediction I have thought of is Northern Illinois beats Nebraska. It's going. I love that. I love every bit of this. Uh, appreciate Sorry. you hopping on, man. This has been awesome. It's super random, but appreciate you. I mean, <laughs> obviously, in hindsight, I'm like, of course this guy wants to hop on a podcast. All he does is love talking college football. It makes a lot of sense. So appreciate you hopping on, and, and maybe we have you back on soon if, if you'll let us. And, yeah, uh, for sure. Every, and I hope everybody enjoyed it, and uh, we'll chat again soon. Thanks, everybody. For sure.